You're late today, Neil. <laughs> yeah, right. Look, he's talking. Yeah, yeah. Sorry for the hold up there, folks. Here we are now. Better late than never, as somebody in the chat room says. Thank you very much. What did they say? Better late than never. Better late than never. That was me. Oh. Oh, thanks, Scotty. <laughs> thanks, Scotty. You're, you're a number one fan. So, 12 Monkeys. Huh? 12 Monkeys was not just a movie. Hmm. It was predictive programming. Here we are, and it's actually happening. A monkey pandemic. Mm-hmm. As you can see, I've not actually looked too deeply into this monkeypox thing because I'm obviously confusing monkeypox, the name for something totally different. But yeah, it's been in the news all week, monkeypox. All of a sudden, out of the blue, out of nowhere, <laughs> boom, just happened, springs upon the stage. I mean, you know the drill, lockdowns. <laughs> no, but like, <laughs> how far do you push the public skepticism? Mm. Or, well, not push it, but test it. It's an interesting test of public skepticism, you know, uh, really. Because, I mean, as far as, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, as far as every single person, average person on this planet, who's aware of monkeypox, it just literally came out of nowhere within the last week. True. It just, boom, and every, all the media is talking about it. Hot on the heels of COVID, right? Everything with COVID goes away. Pretty much for most places except Shanghai and other places in China. But if that's COVID, if that's what it is, but in the rest of the uh, for the vast majority of the world, the COVID thing is just disappearing. And monkeypox. <laughs> Have you seen the memes where the, the he's got the NPC and they're swapping out the chip from the Ukraine chip and putting yeah. in? All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've just and then the other one where the guy's like, I've just got all my Ukraine decorations up. Right. Just, Are you? Right oh, there, yeah. no. <laughs> really? Monkeypox? Well, hang on a second. Before we <clears throat> dismiss this out of hand, though, the president of the free world, Who? Joseph Orr Biden, mm. says, quote, everybody should be concerned. What's your response to that, Joe? Everybody should be concerned? About monkeypox. I'll tell you. I'll tell you my read in the situation. <laughs> and I, I, I follow that 100%. Scotty, put up monkey.jpg. This oh, is got some of all those I need to know. This is the beginning, the middle, and the end. Read that out there. Okay, the mirror headline. Russia looked into using monkeypox as biological weapon, claims ex-Soviet scientists. I saw that somewhere else. It's mm-hmm. just being spread around. There you go. That's your answer. Russia did it. Putin did it. Everything. He did everything. You don't understand the extent of what he did. He did everything. Not just in the past. And not just now, but in the future, he did everything. That's how cunning, but also powerful, deranged and sick and bad at wars he is. Uh, he's able to, to do stuff now. Time travel. Yeah, more or less. That's why I'm thinking 12 monkeys. Do stuff now. We need Bruce Willis to go back in time and do something to fix Putin's messing with the, you know. Timeline. Timeline, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's a time traveler. <laughs> Mind you, there's a clip as well going around. Bill Gates late last year warning about a smallpox bioterror attacks. Right. He yeah. didn't mention Putin. No. Obviously, that's linked in the current story during the rounds. But oh, uh, what's the relation? Smallpox is monkeypox. Well, it kind of is because U.S. government announced it's buying up stocks of smallpox vaccines, which haven't been used in the U.S. or the West since the 1950s. Mm. And what old stocks or Modern stocks, but the old basic ingredients of smallpox, 
Yeah, I've we're got working as explain. Do you know? I've got a about big long. Te- I've got like six pages on. You want me to read them all? You're going to read a Wikipedia page. entry on. No, it's not, it's not Wikipedia. No, it's a much more informed source than that. Um, uh, but I'll just give you the breakdown uh, details, just you know, so you don't have to. Uh, although, of, co- of course, people watching this can will, will, of course, and can, of course, look it up themselves. Monkeypox was first identified in 1958 in colonies of monkeys, and the first human case of the virus was identified in 1970 in the DRC, Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, a result of people living in Africa have been in contact with monkeys and other monkeypox animal hosts for millennia. So it's been around for, you know, quite a long time, mm-hmm. millennia. Um, symptoms of monkeypox are similar to, but much milder than smallpox. General clinic pre- clinical presentation of the disease caused by the West African monkeypox clade virus involves influenza-like symptoms, fever, body aches, chills, and together with swollen lymph nodes. So basically... Nice, boobos. No. No. Well, lesions. a rash on the palm of the hand is often observed. Um... I'm, I'm, There's no evidence. Of, no that? evidence of asymptomatic transmission. By the way, yeah, you, contrary, you have it. Contrary or you to, don't. Yes, contrary to COVID, uh, which obviously well, it was, it was invisible, retra- invisible COVID. That? Huh? Didn't they retract that? No, no. That was everything. Was COVID did everything? Like I mean, COVID did all the things that no other virus has ever done in the history of the universe. You know, uh, at, at a certain at certain points during yeah. the bullshit. Yeah. Um, Can't question the COVID. COVID. So no evidence of asymptomatic transmission. In other words, current medical knowledge indicates that it is only spread by person-to-person contact between an uninfected individual and someone who has already had, who already had symptoms of the disease. Um, basic other stuff. Um, I'm reading from Nature.com here. <coughs> they they write most people recover from monkeypox in a few weeks without right. treatment. Right. Exactly. Uh, it's double-stranded DNA virus, which means that due to the double-stranded nature of the DNA, each of the two strands are as a check. Well, that's kind of too, too complicated. Um, well, it means it's stable. It's yes. not a fast-mutating virus. Not at all. It's very slow-mutating. Yeah. Uh, it's very slow. It has very slow uh, RO um, spread. I.e. spread. Not, it's not very infectious in humans. Um, and So why the hoopla? <laughs> you know why the hoopla, right? Well, um, let's try and take, this, this let's from, try and take it at face value. Here's coming from the CDC, actually. Okay. This is what uh, Stat News, a uh, website called Stat News, uh, uh, journalist Helen Brownswell recently interviewed CDC experts and published a summary of the clinical presentation, two paragraphs. With one to three days of the onset of a fever, a distinctive rash appears, often starting on the face. Many conditions can cause rashes, but the monkeypox rash has some unusual features, notably the fact that vesicles can form in the palms of the hands. So check your hands for vesicles. In countries where it is endemic, the virus is believed to mainly spread to people from infected animals when people kill or prepare bush meat for consumption. So this is going to be the, not the China virus, but the Africa virus. Once the virus jumps to people, human-to-human transmission can occur via respiratory droplets or by contact with monkeypox lesions or bodily fluids. With the virus entering through small cuts in the skin, it can also be transmitted by contact with clothing or linens. Basically, do you know, um, what's the word? Varicella. Um, chickenpox. Yes. It's basically chickenpox. Yes. And in fact, most, most <clears throat> often you don't actually get to the point of developing symptoms on your skin. Right. right. It's more like flu-like symptoms, right. like other viruses. Yeah. So, okay, so what are they hanging this on? What did change, if anything? Well, Nature writes, more than 120 confirmed or suspected cases were detected outside of Africa in the last week. Mm-hmm. Okay, 14, 120. Okay, so what? 14 countries. Because, that's interesting because um, 
this number of cases detected in the last week alone has already surpassed the number detected outside the continent of Africa since 1970. Mm -hmm. So, which means it was made in a lab. Ah, Jesus. Well, interesting, it was first detected in monkeys in a lab in 1958. And there was monkeying around going on with uh, mon monkeys and viruses in the labs, even far back then. But okay, so why, the, at the end of this Nature article, why even be concerned at all? They said, well, they, they let on that uh, it's a cousin of smallpox, right? considered eradicated since the 1970s, right? What they're worried about is the fact that it's being detected now and they don't know why. That's all. Mm -hmm. In the end, it's, it's, it's what SARS-CoV-2 what SARS would have been without a shitload of money and power behind it as mm -hmm. well for other reasons, ulterior motives. It would have been an interesting epidemiological development mm -hmm. and it should have stayed that way. Mm -hmm. Instead, all those guys got, like you've described, pushed up in front of the cameras night, day after day, scaring the shit out of people. About right. it. Anyway... So it, this is there's a, something interesting going on, for sure. Well, but, a, what's interesting is that we, we have just come out of a two-year, quote-unquote, pandemic, and viruses are on everybody's minds, or supposedly. You're not allowed to forget about the virus. You're not allowed to forget about the COVID pandemic, right? Um, so obviously anything that, like this that comes along is going to be a clickbait, right. used as clickbait yeah. by the media, yeah. right? Um, this may... You probably this kind of thing has happened with other viruses and other you know diseases or whatever over forever basically and it appears in the news they say that you know a few cases are found here there and everywhere and then it goes away again yeah right um, so that's about the, the the height of it you know um, unless like I said someone's been tinkering with monkeypox in a monkey lab monkeying around with monkeypox in a monkey lab uh, like they almost certainly were doing with COVID. And that's, you're allowed to say that now. It's such a breath of fresh air to be able to say that after two years of censorship by social media for wrong think when it's actually okay now to say what was blindingly obvious and was known uh, in official circles from the get-go as soon as someone looked in China uh, and then afterwards in other, other European countries, other Western countries, looked at uh, the SARS-CoV-2 under a microscope and said, yep, that was made in the lab. I have a map here of world countries where this monkeypox has been detected last week. Scotty? It'll blow your mind. It's amazing. It's astonishing. When they say non-African countries, what they really mean is a very select part of the world, otherwise known as all the countries that have sanctioned Russia. It's the West. Hmm. But that's because all those other countries don't have microscopes. Yeah. <laughs> or don't have, they don't have a medical system. Isn't that, isn't that true? They don't have a this, they don't have, let's say, the same coherent agenda. Seems to be an agenda with that for sure. Yeah, the talking about monkeypox and it being it appearing in basically Canada, the U.S. and in, in the international community, even Australia. Look at that. It went from it, it's you know it's, you can see how it would spread from. New Europe to the US and that kind of stuff, supposedly, or be detected there because travel. But nobody, anybody going to Australia doesn't stop ever. There's really no contact. There's no stop-off point between Europe and, and America, North America and Australia. See that? Yeah. So that's how it got to Australia because people just, like, hold their nose and fly over that rest of the world. 
the, the not international community and they can spread it to Australia. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Instantly, within a week. Yeah. Surely it should be some in the Middle East at least, because like, uh, at the very least, because... Uh, you Dubai, make flyovers. Well, Dubai is definitely a stop-off for flights going from uh, Europe to Australia. So it definitely should be the Middle East, but apparently not. The so, WHO yeah. has convened an emergency meeting. Yeah, well then. The US government announces it's bought millions of smallpox vaccines. Again, like I said. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Um... Belgium has announced a 21-day quarant- 21 quarantine period for anyone who's tested positive. Hmm. Interesting in their report so they about that. They know what that. to do now. Yeah, quarantine. it's just follow the program, plug it in. COVID. <clears throat> did you, what do you, did you note that they've uh, ID'd possibly the spreader events? Of where monkeypox is coming from, in, yeah. at least in some countries. The gays. The gays in Spain and in Belgium, actually. Yeah. And um, a, a fetish parade. A fetish parade. That's one thing I read, yeah. A fetish that parade, a gay sauna in Spain. Yeah. So that um, kind of monkeying around. The one in, That was uh, a super spreader event in that. What's it called? Uh, Providence in up in, is it Rhode Island or some one of those uh, northeastern states in the US, remember, during COVID? Uh, yeah, where they had like yeah, a massive yeah. outbreak, and they failed to mention in the media reports on this massive outbreak that it was the annual gay bash in this small town where something like right, 40,000 40, right, right. gay people all hang out and you that know, was kind monkey of around. Uh, and they didn't uh, mention <laughs> didn't mention that in any media reports. Well, they, every, in fact, that was one of the one of the that was one of the events where everybody that was that was used to bring back or to impose to attempt to impose a federal mask mandate across the entire U.S. And it, came, it was discovered, or not, it was discovered pretty much immediately that that you know that, that you were citing this this mass outbreak uh, among tens of thousands of people in this small town, and everyone needs to wear masks. And they forgot to mention that, yeah, those people in that town in Providence, uh, the homosexual community, were um, they were probably wearing masks already, but not the medical ones. So they they they, they did seriously though. You should yeah. see. So Vice has done. Vice did a. a, a a show on it, you know, like on yeah. that. It's been going on for decades, like, and it's just a. Uh, you talk about, you know, Sal- well, Sal- Sal- <laughs> you talk about like, uh, yeah, uh, you know, licentiousness. Like, I mean, it's uh, pretty pretty rough, like you know. Well, that's the interesting thing about the monkeypox spread is it seems to be person to person. So bodily fluids. Well, it's essentially behaving or transmitted like an STD. Yes, it's the new AIDS. <laughs> well, is it? You know, well, no, obviously not. It's, there are obviously many things that are STDs or transmitted. They yeah. don't even show up as STDs. They're not right. detected. Right. They're not. They're not uh, checked for. Mm. When you, if you go to get an STD test, it's only a certain battery of things they're going to just rule out for your peace of mind or whatever. Mm. That's not going to be on the list. It might be now if you specifically ask for it because they've noticed it mm-hmm. and they're starting to notice a pattern. Yeah, but. Uh, Something that's going to be, you know, infecting and killing millions of people, this isn't it. But it's, like you said, the inertia of what we just went through before carries over. So anything that comes up gets the same kind of aura in the media as if this could be the killer event. Yeah. When, you Click know, bait. the first, read the first, I know, read the first sentence or even the, the headline properly and you're like, okay. Yep. Well, you should, yeah, exactly. But that's the same with any topic almost in the mainstream media, any major topic that people are being uh, subtly encouraged uh, to 
or having subtly shoved down the throat, they you know need to read beyond the first need to read beyond the headline at the very least. You know, because very often the headline is massively misrepresentative of the content of the actual story or the content of the news item or what they're actually reporting on. The headlines uh, on, on in Western media do not and have not for a long time, for the most part, represent on contentious issues, on major issues, do not represent what's actually being talked about. I think this next, this next headline is accurate, though. Yeah. Scotty, <clears throat> they better watch out, uh, British MPs. Ah, Westminster. It's uh, just... Uh, Seriously, that... that don't, if you're in you London, the, just avo- that avoid that building with the... Bi- yeah, don't... That. You have to read that. That's, okay. This is... British, again, I think it's the mirror last week or the sun. Rape drug claims. MP, quote, spiked with rape drug and woke to find his nipples being licked by fellow Tory, quote, who also abused Labour MP and two more. It's, it's just, I mean... If you see that tower mind. and you're in London, don't, don't go near it. it there bring, could be a super sweater monkeypox <coughs> event right there. No doubt, yeah. It just brings to mind the, <coughs> the, the, the wonderful, the venerable history of, of, of Westminster and British uh, democracy and, you know, um, everything that's noble and historic and sober uh, and respectable about the British, yeah. you know, establishment and the yeah. institution that is, uh, you know, the and, parliament, and, the, and the, mar- parliament. the market has left on the world. Somebody should send that to Jordan Peterson. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> Are these people like... What's more, he was carrying this shit out in the Houses of Parliament. <laughs> well, it's just well, well, a, a bad apple, you know. But weren't, weren't get, these... The, this is like this the same government who... There was the whole COVID thing in Boris Johnson and they're, you know... They were having parties during COVID lockdowns and yeah. getting drunk and, you know. Having super spreader like, Do they actually govern at all or did they just like. Not really, no. Is it like a frat house or something? It's Barmy. Like it's Her Barmy. Majesty's frat house? There's, or like there's what? reports in the last year of like they, they do, they did uh, spot checks for cocaine just on the banisters of yeah. the halls of their venerable houses of parliament and there's cocaine everywhere. Like they find it on, on the, the stairs down and the toilets. It's just they're coked up, lubed up. Yeah, <laughs> it's a general degra- degradation of morality. When people like that, in, in politicians in the West in particular, have long since abdicated or you know stopped uh, taking responsibility in, in, a, in the supposed way they're meant to towards the population, which is a kind of fatherly or parental-like role towards the population and, and to actually, you know, be genuinely With any kind of motivated, degree you know? of conscientiousness. Yeah, and that conscientiousness would reinforce... Self-interest. Yeah, and would reinforce their, that kind of attitude and that, you know, implementing, you know, working for the people in that way, as they claim they do, would uh, reinforce their own kind of moral compass or, or their, their morality, let's say. But when they stop doing that and, and are completely self-interested, as they have been for, very long, for a long time... Um, Anything goes. Well, then it just de- degrades into that kind of thing. You get that kind of thing coming to the surface, you know. Scotty, you mentioned uh, Partygate in the UK. That's the infamous thing where over two dozen incidents where Boris Johnson and colleagues were getting pissed on lockdown, mm. during lockdown. Yeah. You know, even on days when they announced harsher measures. You know, they the were yeah. Well, that's an example of what I'm talking about, you know. Yeah. The Partygate is what it's called, a scandal in the UK, and there's an ongoing investigation by Sue Gray, a civil servant, and, you know, 
her reports being released in drips and drabs and the BBC is doing specials on what is expected to show. And it's going to show that, well, 12 of the 16 we investigated were definitely questionable. And we're going to recommend that, you know, these regulations are put in place and blah, 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 blah. It's, I just want to say the side note, like it's going nowhere. It should have ended up in people being fired at the very least, if not thrown in prison, you know, something mm-hmm. close to that for extreme criminal negligence in terms of mm-hmm. abusing the shit out of people while living it up. It's not even going to result in it. The British are, it's amazing that they cannot rule, but they are sublime British parliamentarians, sublime at deflecting anything that comes their way. Yeah. It's just, it's just amazing. Well, year they have after to. They have year, to. they have to. I mean, it was a dozen years ago, maybe 10 years, I think it was 2012 with the whole pedophile scandals where you had Jimmy Savile, the mm-hmm. entertainer from the BBC, which mm-hmm. exposed that there were many other high-profile celebrities at BBC studios, ITV studios, British radio, and so on. While all that was going on with kids in those venerable institutions, what also emerged in the course of it was that Savile was uh, fiddling with kids in not, in, not in the British... Not in the House of Commons, but in other buildings and facilities yeah. associated with it, yeah. country clubs or whatever yeah. in the city. Well, and just, MPs were involved. Let's just tip the iceberg. I, like, I bring it up because it was <clears throat> 10 years ago, it was 2012, when Theresa May, then Home Secretary, was trying to fight off. Uh, Covering up. Oh, Jesus. I, I was thinking, that this is it. Like, this is going to blow back the veil. This is going to cause a revolution in the UK. But <clears throat> they deflected it. And all she had to do basically was go, look, you know what? We have a cultural problem in the UK. Mm-hmm. That was it. They put out a bunch of reports about how it's just become a cultural thing right. that adults in our country fiddle with kids and let's move on. And they did just move on. Mm-hmm. And the country is still there. People mm-hmm. still vote in elections. They still, oh, people, yeah. they still like, yeah, nothing yeah. happened. Yeah, it's, um, well, you know, they, they resort in all those situations where there's a kind of a, a scandal in, in government, they, no matter where it is, uh, but particularly in the West, there seems to be, you know, every country, uh, the government, there's governments are embroiled in scandals, whether they're overt or, or covert or, you know, known or unknown. Um, but the the rationale for always covering it up, unless it's something that's like small potatoes, but the rationale for covering up anything big like that would be that, uh, well, you'll undermine undermine public faith in the institutions of democracy in the country could, you know, it could just all fall apart. So, but that allows you to do anything, basically. It means the next scandal's happen. worse. Anything can happen. It's, it's, it's carte blanche to do whatever you want, knowing that no matter what you do, you get to stay in, in power, yeah. basically. And they, they go on and on about checks and balances, about how we have them and all the rest of those barbarians out there on the planet. They don't have them, but mm-hmm. we have them. Mm-hmm. Checks and balances. What do you have? You've got nothing. They're cover-ups. You're, in fact, you're egged on into increasing extreme amoral degradation of yourselves and then everyone else. Mm-hmm. Checks and balances my arse, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're a bunch of liars, hypocrites, <clears throat> at the very least. Most of them. Let's say, and to different degrees, there's some particularly depraved individuals, particularly corrupt individuals, but they tend to rise because of their corruption and their depravity type thing. Uh, they tend to rise to the top because they have most to cover up, and they <clears throat> are willing to do whatever it takes to get to the top. And then they uh, intimidate and cow others, others who aren't like 
as bad as them or aren't, aren't bad at all in a certain sense, they can't do anything about it because mm. say one word and you're gone. Say and one word and your name will be mud. And then select others of like mind to move in, which yeah. is negative selection. That yeah. super concept that the Lobachevsky wrote about in how things degrade mm-hmm. in, in a downward motion. Yeah. Negative selection simply is from the, from an objective point of view, you think uh, the best in his field or her field gets to the top, so to speak. That's what you hope for. It's, it's the best in terms of meritocracy. Objectively, they're the person for that job. And then they're going to recruit others capable to help mm-hmm, them mm-hmm. shoulder the burden That's of reaching selection. targeters. Positive. But when you get the reverse and negative selection happens, holy crap, you've got someone who cheated their way to that position. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to be and looking for cheating. allies to help cover up their ongoing corruption mm-hmm. and greed. Others like them. And it proliferates negative That's selection it. on uh, uh, down and out across yeah. it's a whittle- until it's, it infects everything. Yeah, it's a, it's a whittling away of, of any kind of morality or any kind of uh, standards or... Competency. And also competency. Never it's even, even worse, yeah. Even, even if people have you know, long since well, not even accepted like, that they hold their nose and yeah. at scandals that come up. So long as, look, things are functioning, the trains run, I can eat, I get paid. Mm-hmm. You know, competency. I'll accept well, that's, all kinds of stuff. It's different. It's it's yeah. For me, it's like different, different to competency in, in a situation because it's more like, um, it's that they they don't care. You know, it's it's a a, a certain decency and altruism and, and desire to be a quote unquote public servant and to work for the good of the people. When you don't care about any of that, it's not about that you're being incompetent. It's just, it's just you don't care. You don't do what you should do because you don't care because it doesn't serve your own personal interests. And it can look like incompetency where you just fucked that up completely. You didn't provide any of those services. It's like, yeah, I could have, but I didn't want to. I didn't feel like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not necessarily, because when you do the competency thing, you, you, you posit that these are a bunch of idiots, complete idiots, but idiots would be exposed. So they're very competent people. They're just very competent at being corrupt and conniving and manipulating and threatening uh, to other people. Yeah. So, yeah, that's monkeypox for you. Monkeypox. Um, we'll have to maybe see, we'll see return to it. Maybe it's a flash in the pan. Maybe it's just yeah, it's hard this know. week's current thing. Um, you want to move on? Yeah. As of style. We'll, we'll talk about, what about as of style? Well, <clears throat> nobody surrendered in as of style, Neil. Last week. Shut up. Nobody surrendered. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. No one surrendered. They were, they were, look, I'll tell you what happened in as of style. All those guys, the, uh, uh, and they're not Nazis either, right? None of them are neo-Nazis. Those tattoos of Hitler and the swastika on their arms and stuff, some, I think Russians did that to them. Probably. Uh, painted them on. Painted them on, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, those guys in Azovstal were, as it turns out, didn't really know this beforehand, but as it turns out, it was just a symbolic stand they were taking, right? Just to, um, to bolster morale amongst the uh, other Ukrainian military and the Ukrainian population and the Western populations as well. And um, it was symbolic. And they decided that, okay, the job had been done. It served their purpose. And now they were going to leave. And it was Zelensky and his people who evacuated them and took them all back to Kiev for tea and Crumpets. sunflower seeds. Sunflower oil. Did, did Zelensky <clears throat> claimed it's an evacuation, and he evacuation claimed that our people, our, intelligence and military officers, are coordinating yeah, it. Yeah. 
Did he actually also claim that they're coming back to Kiev? No. 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 He made that But up. it was okay. implied in a way. It was implied, yeah. Yeah, we've all got it under yeah. control. Except the Did reality. Did he, he imply that, correct me, uh, but what was the situation? Did he imply that it was he gave the green light to yes. them to surrender? Yes. Did he have that authority over them? I no. thought they were renegade. No, it was, uh, it was the Pentagon. It was the Pentagon. But so uh, it, it in holds, but it wasn't Zelensky's permission to give. But no. they did get permission to surrender. But nobody in Ukraine has any permission to do anything about this war unless it, they get a say-so from the State Department or the Pentagon or the American uh, bigwigs. This is America's war. Right. It's going to have to do with Ukraine per se. It's not in that sense. It's not Ukraine versus Russia. It's America versus Russia using Ukraine and right. using the worst types of people, again, negative selection of people in Ukraine to facilitate that uh, their, their rabid... Um, uh, you know, hatred of, of, of Russia. It's not even a hate. I don't even know if it's a hatred of Russia. It's just, again... It's not personal it, to Americans, well, to not, the American elite. Well, even to the Ukrainians, the people that they selected in, in, in Ukraine, basically. Well, you've got some just, ideological nutters. Yeah, amongst the rank and file. slaughter but the people the above it. As they yeah, it. right. They did say that, but th- that's the rank and file type thing. But in general, uh, the, the ones making the decisions, supposedly, they're selected and, you know, instructed by the Pentagon because it's this would not be happening without America uh, doing what it's doing and, and with their partners in Europe. It simply wouldn't be happening. It would be long done and dusted at this point if Ukraine was left to its own devices. Yeah. And of course Ukraine... Zelensky has tried to sue for peace yeah. numerous times and was told... Sort of. Well, the Russians claim that he, that there's no talking, yes. there's no one talking in Ukraine, there's no one interested in any kind of a talking in Ukraine and that's because America isn't interested in talking because America wants to prolong the war as long as possible and Ukraine can just shut the hell up. If anybody thinks differently in Ukraine, Zelensky included, he can just shut the hell up and do what he's told or they'll be in deep shit, obviously. So they put themselves, America has put them in a bind, they've put themselves in a bind um, long before now because, I mean, there's, you know, it's, it's generally accepted and known and, and there's, the Russians claim to have uh, documents that they found as part of the, their operation that there was a plan of course, there's evidence on the ground for this as well. There was a plan to launch a war on Donbass, but the Ukrainian uh, military was going to launch a war, uh, the third war technically over the pa- in the past 10 years, on Donbass, uh, a kind of decisive war in February this year, one month before the Russians, uh, um, sorry, in March this year, one month after the Russians decided to go in. So the Russians uh-huh. went in one month before uh, and they obviously knew that themselves because the timing of that, the timing of it is, is, is too coincidental. The Russians obviously knew that there was a plan and, and it's not just about documents, it's about seeing a build-up of troops, which are, it's you know, relevant to what's happening right now in, in, in Donbass area, uh, seeing the build-up of troops on the border with you know, the, the conflict line or the <clears throat> of, of the separatists and, the, and Ukraine proper in Donbass. Um, they were planning to go in and wage a kind of blitzkrieg on, on Donbass and slaughter those people, and Russia just went, nah, you're not going to do that. Um, people forget about that. It's, it's sad that people don't know that this is effectively a, just a continuation of a war that's been going on for 10 years. It's weird. that Because mm. that's, that's an important part of, of your understanding of any conflict, is that did this just start now, all of a sudden, or has it been going on for 10 years? If you don't know what's been going on for 10 years... Well, 10 years, you're talking about a 10-year time span. Look at the week time span. Last weekend, Europeans, mainly who watch Eurovision, right? Not Americans so much, win Eurovision. Mm. We played the clip of their 
winning entrant at the end of a performance going, Heroes of Azovstal, you know, send money, send weapons to Heroes of Azovstal, big stand, everybody claps, you know, it's brilliant. 24 hours later, they begin surrendering. Mm-hmm. 36 hours later, two and a half thousand of them have surrendered. It's over. It's mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. Um, Zelensky, meanwhile, is on Ukrainian media, not reported in the West so much, telling them that it was an evacuation order by us. It's mm-hmm. all under control. By mm-hmm. us. It's not a surrendering at all. Um, <laughs> and indeed that the request to be transferred to a third country was granted yeah. to Donbass. Right. Um, so did, was that any of that communicated? Did, does a Western audience know what just happened in Azovstal? No. The last thing they heard was that heroes of Ukraine, heroes of Azovstal, mm. last stand a week mm. ago. Mm. But in the space of a week. It's all gone. It's gone. It's done. And it's done. And it's gone. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, that's the, you know, just the extent of the propaganda and the spin in the media. Like, it's, it's just got really extreme. Where Saturated. It's, well, it's, it's so extreme where it really is night and day. You know, what's at, what the media's reporting, what's actually happening is literally just flip it 180 degrees. Turn it around, turn it on its head, uh, almost, you know. Um, speaking of which, uh, well, actually... That's not the end of Azov Brigade, by the way. No, I think we should... We're all there, like... It's... Um, I, the, the, there's a, a Twitter channel, um, RWA, Russians with Attitude. Mm. They did a very good descriptive thread on um, the background and kind of structure of Azov Brigade. Isn't He says... He was pointing out it's not just a Nazi militia. It's not just a specific military unit here in this one physical location. It's a buildup of an ideological movement in Ukraine. So denazifying is not just simply they were all in one place and now Russia has captured them. There's a lot more to it than this. It's he, he described it as a large and successful political movement with deep ties to the government back in Kiev, which hasn't been touched by Russia yet, remember? Mm-hmm. To organize crime to domestic and foreign intelligence services, and to extremist organizations all over the world. We touched on that last week. What are the potential links between Nazis popping off in places as far-flung as Christchurch, New Zealand, and Buffalo on the Canadian right. border with this Azov battalion, in quotes, in Ukraine? You know, it, God knows how much work and groundwork has been done. We obviously we played Kirby last week, gleefully boasting about how they spent the last eight years, but it predates eight years of U.S. involvement in extremist networks. Yeah, for sure. Into well, and out of Ukraine. Well, you've got to go back to the Second World War, like, you know, and the fact that uh, today, if, if you just throw that up, it's just an example of what you're saying. Um, I mean, people, today the media reports on Ukrainian neo-Nazi types, fascist type, ultra-nationalist types. Uh, just scroll down to there's a list of links. Uh, a little bit more. Yeah, that one there. So this is from, uh, compared to today, this is a list, I think it's 30 or so, that uh, this, you know, this is Moon of Alabama put together. So I mean, you can just look down the list there, and it's all from Western media, you know, even foreign policy, NBC News, BBC. And it's, you know, these are just the headlines. 15,000 Ukrainian nationalists march for divisive Bandera. Is the U.S. backing neo-Nazis in Ukraine? That's Salon. How the far right t- took top posts in Ukraine's power vacuum. Channel 4, that's UK Channel 4. Reign in Ukraine's neo-fascists, that's CNN. Uh, <laughs> denying the far right role in the Ukrainian revolution. The neo-Nazi question in Ukraine. Yes, there are bad guys in the Ukrainian government. Neo-Nazi question in Ukraine. Fascism returns to the continent it once destroyed. Ukraine conflict white power warrior from Sweden. German TV shows Nazi symbols on helmets of Ukraine soldiers. The reality of neo-Nazis in Ukraine is far from Kremlin propaganda. That was The Hill. 
a conservative outlet in the in the US. In Ukraine, ultranationalist militia strikes fear in some quarters. That's Radio Free Europe. <laughs> America's collusion with neo-Nazis is in the nation. Uh, as of Ukraine's most prominent ultranationalist group sets its sights on US and Europe. That's again Radio Free Europe. Uh, basically, uh, you know, US intelligence uh, outlet, effectively. The Guardian, ultranationalism in Ukraine. A photo essay. Uh, is America training neo-Nazis in Ukraine? The Atlantic Council, the Azov Regiment, has not depoliticized. So that's just a few selections of, of 30 or more, and there's more than that, obviously, over the past... Um, Eight years, going back to 2014. Yeah. Um, but well, the media reported on them as they actually were, and that the, the reality of a significant neo-Nazi-type ideology and fascist ideology in Ukraine, in the political establishment and in the military establishment, it was like... Hmm. And, and these are, you know, vice news, mm. uber lefty, you know, everything anti-Russian, uh, you know, came to the same conclusion. Uh, <laughs> but now you just flip it. Now all of that goes away. Now mm. none of that's true mm. because we have to be anti-Russian. What they will say in their defense is, yeah, we were talking about it. But the caveat is, with the exception of perhaps people like the Grey Zone doing reports on the Nazi battalions going back the last eight years, very few of those are going to talk about the extent to which they're 100% funded and reliant on NATO. Yeah. I.e. the United States. So it's it's kind of like... Basically, they set up a scene where there's, you know, it's not us, it's the arm over there. Yeah, we're feeding it, but it's not our arm. It's a neo-Nazi problem in Ukraine. What are you feeding it for? <laughs> Well, because Russia's Russia's the bigger evil, right? Exactly. And so it's justified. So Facebook so goes. Russia's well, now you can talk. About, you can big up Azov Battalion because they're killing Russians. That's why you had to demonize Putin and Russia over the past yeah. ten years in order to in order to somehow Russia. make Russia be out Nazis. So that when right. you have a Nazi here, you go, ah, it's just a little Nazi. The mm. big Nazi over there right. is the one they're fighting. Basically, a, a good, I think, a good historical reference or context for this uh, is the U.S.'s. And NATO's uh, stay behind networks yeah. that they created and set up in 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 Europe uh, after World War Two. Yeah, um, to prevent you know, like basically these were like re- extremist, either left or sometimes right wing. It didn't matter the ideology, basically, but they were anti- always blamed on the left, but carried right. out by people who believed themselves to be part of a far right network. Right, exactly. But actually, they right. were CIA and NATO linked. Right, and they were basically they, they presented themselves as right, extreme left wing associated communist type mm. groups that would carry out terror attacks in Europe in order effectively to sway public opinion against. Uh, the Soviet Union and communism in yeah. European countries in order to keep Europe in the Western sphere by terrorizing the population. Uh, so it's, it's you know, this, this the funding and training and using of the, the neo-Nazi type ideology in Ukraine is similar to that, you know what I mean? It's similar in its, in its nature and, and, its, and in its function. Yeah. Um, Anti-Russian, basically, anti... The, the same rationale is at work, the same... It's it's just one continuity. It's a, but it's a, it, such a that happened in the age before the internet. You know, you only had mainstream reports on it. Um, it not that hell would it have made a difference in the internet age? 
just how it helped, but just how widespread is knowledge today that uh, terror attacks are not just, you know, coming out of the blue from Jihadis. jihadi extremists yeah, yeah. and so on. Well, you have like there, was a, there was a string of like shootings in uh, supermarkets in Belgium in the 1980s, mm-hmm. all unsolved. Mm-hmm. Italy, um, eventually later linked France. to uh, stay behind mm-hmm. units. Someone had found the cache of weapons and taken the M16s or whatever they were and started shooting people up. Yeah, we talked about that years ago. Uh, we talked about the book, the kind of best book on that, I think, is... Uh, Daniela Ganser, uh, NATO's NATO's secret armies, secret armies, it's called. Yeah, yeah, talks about all of that basically. So and it's documented. So whatever. Um, anyway, so if it's not monkeypox, you're going to starve. I just want to let you know that you're going to starve very soon. Uh, let's just uh, let's just uh, let me just prove that to you by you can throw up pretty much all the Telegraph articles. One of them is a Times article, but just start with any of the Telegraph articles. Um, Let's see which one you put up first. There you go. Vladimir Putin, Vladimir Putin is trying to starve the world into submission. Here's how. A three point. Uh, here's how in badly drawn pictures. Um, bombed rail lines, blocked ports, and tax on grain silos in Ukraine are threatening food supplies across Europe. <sighs> See that poor Ukrainian farmer there? He's not happy with Putin. See that f- his face? He's very, very unhappy that Putin is trying to starve the entire world. The title is Vladimir Putin is trying to starve the world into submission. The whole world, because obviously the implication in the title there is that Putin, it's Putin against the world. Mm. The whole world, right? Mm. Including China. Including Africa. Africa, South America, Middle East. Bolsonaro, Middle East, Saudis. All of the ones who are friends with Putin effectively and, and haven't followed the Western, the international community sanctions. He's, he's trying to starve all them too. The entire world. There's a lot of people are trying to starve, but Putin, he can do it. Um, if he can bend space time. He could start the world. Yeah. But thankfully, and then even worse, our worse dear leaders in the West are going to save us. Well, go to the next one, but the one that's called Mountains of Grain, uh, Telegraph. Mountains of Grain. Not only is he stopping the, 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 the grain getting out of, out of Ukraine, and of course, as everybody knows, grain is the only supplier, or sorry, Ukraine is the only supplier of grain in the world, right? So once you stop it coming out of Ukraine, everybody starves. Uh, so there's mountains, literal mountains. I think the last mountain, they, they somebody just summited it the other day. It was like 10,000 meters, like higher than Everest, I think, in Ukraine, <laughs> really? a mountain of grain, and it's left to rot. To rot. And in fact, I think they're putting active rotting agents in it to r- speed up the rotting because Putin wants to kill people as, as quickly as possible. That uh, makes sense. Yep. It's Putin. Yeah, that, that yep. definitely makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Kremlin's blockade of Ukrainian ports is crippling the world's food production as shipping containers sit loaded with immovable crops. Uh, you can go to Times, Sunday Times, just for more evidence. Black Sea blockade in Russia, Ukraine war threatened food supply. A bit more, bit, bit more temperate, bit, you know, uh, from the Times, a bit more sober. Bit but more still, uh, it's going to cut national wheat exports by 35%. Of course, Ukraine's south coast of that's, that's from Ukraine, so their exports are going to be down 35% this year, which may be true. Um, but you have to remember, I think the last figure I saw, I don't even know if it's just wheat. It may be just wheat, I'll have to look at it, but maybe just wheat or maybe wheat and other grains, but 3%. Ukraine supplies 3% of the world's wheat and maybe other crops. So, and you take 35% off that, that's 1%. So when you remove 1% of the world's 
uh, wheat supply, everybody dies, as the British press are telling us. And it's all down to Putin. Um, but then, yes, you I said have, the US... I have a table to, here. Do you want to see a comparative table? Yeah, go ahead. Um, that's this one I just sent you, Scott. These are the top 20 wheat, wheat exporters in the world. Uh, no, Ukraine isn't the daddy of them all. Russia is by a factor of two over Canada, then the United States, then France, then number five, Ukraine. But that's 8.9% of the top 20. And the tonnage. Right. Uh, but if you, that doesn't, like, the actual figure is about 3% if it's only wheat uh-huh. of the total wheat exports. So it's, and then you're saying it's going to be down 35%, which means it's going to be down by 1%. So overall, wheat exports this year, for the world, be down one percent. So, so ninety nine percent of wheat famine. will still be available. What Putin's going to cause a global famine? Let's allow it. Let's allow them what they're telling us. Putin caused thirty five percent less exports of wheat from Ukraine this year, it's which true. is going to hit one percent of the world's food supply of wheat. Right. Which will be Putin causing a global famine? Unless Putin will be starving the entire world, as the Telegraph just told us, into submission. Uh, but not if the U.S. Just go to the last Telegraph article. I think it's the last one. Uh, yeah, U.S. missiles. Uh, the U.S. is going to, and you know, led by this guy Anthony Blinken, U.S. missiles could end Putin's food blockade. Handful of nations said to be open to sending harpoons to sink Russian war vessels in the Black Sea. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure a harpoon isn't going to do much damage to a modern warship. That usually for whales. <laughs> Has the US just got it totally wrong there? Or are they running out of supplies? I don't know. They've been chucking javelins at those tanks and they're making some... They, some they, well, they talk them up, but uh, javelin, I mean, I remember there was one guy killed at the Olympics uh, by, way back in the day yeah. when, in, the, in the javelin throwing yeah. competition. That, that It was a freak accident where yeah. he got hit with a, with a javelin, you know? They're pretty heavy, those things, when they come yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially if you chuck them yeah. real high. Especially if a Nazi's throwing them. So if you fire a harpoon at a Russian ship, uh, the Russian ships are like made of tin. Donk. If you puncture a hole in it, like it'll sink know, straight away. It's yeah. gone. That's what happened to the Moskva. Anyway, um, so yeah, um, so is Russia? This is this has been in the media all week. Uh, the U.S. is behind us, driving this, obviously. Um, what happened was Blinken got, went to the UN and at, the, at a security meeting there. He had it out with. The Russian guy, the baldy, Valery Nebenizia or something. Mm. He accused Russia of blockading Ukraine's ports and, quote, weaponizing food to create a global food crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, Nebenzia, uh, Vasily Nebenzia um, laughed him out of the room, quote, attempts to lay the accusations at our door aren't just absurd, they're blasphemous. Mm-hmm. And instead, he blamed Kiev for blocking Ukraine's ports, saying that Ukrainian forces had placed mines all along the Black Sea coast. Mm-hmm. Now, th- there is a, uh, a trail of evidence about this because you can look back over the last few months and ships in the Black Sea have been hit by mines. Mm-hmm. They've also been shelled at. Sometimes the accusation is placed at Russia's doorstep, sometimes at Ukraine's. I doubt the Russians were firing at civilian cargo ships. Mm-hmm. Most likely that was the Yukis. Um, the the situation with the mines is so bad that hundreds of them are now drifting from the ports that are in the Black Sea. Turkey, Russia yeah. wants to demine them, but they say they can't. Kiev's not cooperating. Here's my question to you, though. 
is there not would there not be some basis to this claim that quote Russia is blockading Ukraine's ports given that the maps show Russia controls almost all mm. of Ukraine's Black Sea coast it's, well it's a complicated situation like if you go to the IMO.org <clears throat> this is the International Maritime Organization so pretty neutral um, just a, an article they put up about an update on the Maritime security and safety in the Black Sea and the Sea of Azov. So, um, first part of the ongoing armed conflict between the Russian Federation and Ukraine presents a serious and immediate threat to the safety and security of crews and vessels operating in the region. Um, the IMO is continuing to liaise closely with all key stakeholders, blah, 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 blah. Uh, the next part, I want to go to at the start, uh, the third paragraph. At the start of the conflict, approximately 2,000 seafarers were stranded aboard 94 vessels in Ukrainian ports. At the start, of the conflict mm-hmm. before Russia was anywhere near <clears throat> the, you know, the ports uh, themselves, the, the ports themselves yeah. or, uh, or Mariupol or anything like that. At the start of the conflict, two thousand seafarers were already stranded on ninety-four vessels. Uh, t- only ten vessels have subsequently safely departed the Sea of, sea of Azov, and eighty-four merchant ships remained remain with nearly four hundred fifty seafarers aboard. And then just go down to um, it begins with the council. Uh, it's under. Um, yeah, a blue safe maritime corridor. The council midway <coughs> down on t- on 10th and 11th of March agreed to encourage the establishment as a provisional and urgent measure of a blue safe maritime corridor to allow the safe evacuation of seafarers and ships from the high risk and affected areas of the Black Sea and Sea of Azov to a safe place in order to protect the life of seafarers and ensure the mobilization and commercial navigation of vessels intending to use the corridor by avoiding military attacks and protecting and securing the maritime domain. The Russian Federation has informed the IMO that it had established a humanitarian corridor to provide for the safe evacuation of ships once outside the territorial waters of Ukraine. Despite this initiative, there remain many safety and security issues which hamper access to the corridor, and this is the important part, and the ability for ships to depart from their berths in Ukrainian ports, Mm. of which Russia holds maybe one right now, one or two. Ukraine's ports are, are at Marsec, which is maritime security, level 3, and remain closed for entry and exit. Sea mines have been laid in port approaches and some port exits are blocked by sunken barges and cranes. Many ships no longer have sufficient crew on board to sail. Ukraine also provided their preconditions for the safe evacu- evacuation of ships from their ports. These include an end to hostilities, the withdrawal of troops, and ensuring the free navigation in the Black Sea and Sea of Azov, including carrying out mine-sweeping activities with the involvement of Black Sea littoral states. Remember that, or notice that part. Ukraine provided preconditions for the safe evacuation of, sh- of ships. That's as Zelensky has said, here are the conditions for the safe evacuation of ships from the ports that we control, which are most of the ports in the Black Sea. Mm-hmm. And he said, basically, Russia has to go home or these ships aren't going anywhere. And right. anyway, we, the Ukrainian military or Navy, mined the areas in front and around the ports again in order mm-hmm. to try and prevent the, the Russian, Russian Navy from approaching. Um, and that MARSEC, the maritime security level, that's imposed by the... IMO. The, no, it's imposed by the countries, oh. the host country right. or the, the country yeah. ports you're talking Ukraine about. Here. So it's the Ukrainian government who has imposed that maritime security level three, which means that nobody moves. Right. So, so who's weaponizing food then? Is it Putin or is uh, it or is it the Pentagon? <laughs> or is it, is it is it is it yeah? Is America and its uh, friends in Ukraine? Uh, the, the last, but just down one more. That 
the, the next paragraph, it also has laid some 400 anchor mines around Odessa. This is Ukrainian, the Ukrainian Navy. Laid some 400 anchor mines around Odessa, which are so old that some of them have parted from their chains and drifted towards Turkey. It does not allow Russia to demine the area. So you tell me what ships, what grain ships or, 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 or ships full of grain are going to, in the right mind, any captains or crew of those ships are going to move anywhere, you know, move from port under those conditions that are being imposed by the Ukrainian government. And that's from the, the International Maritime Organization. They're not like some Russian, that's, that's an international yeah. neutral, just talk about maritime conditions, just yeah. here's, the strip, here's the facts basically. Uh, so it's all. It's, this is basically the latest. This is the, and, this uh, is the latest butcha. This is the latest <coughs> atrocity Russia is about to commit. The very last nonsense. The very last paragraph. Meanwhile, foreign ships that have been that had been held by Ukraine in Mariupol have been able to leave since Russia has taken the city and its harbor. Right. Mariupol. Mariupol, whose mayor this week said the city is liberated right. and people are finally getting so back. So ships to are going from Mariupol, but not from most of. The, the the majority of, Not of from other the, um, other Russian or Ukrainian ports that are held by Ukraine. A major one, which is Odessa, right. which is the one part the Russians are not anywhere near. Right. Uh, what's his name? Um, John Michel Charles X. <coughs> what is he now? He's European Commission head de- deputy to von der Leyen, ex Belgian Prime Minister. Jesus, whatever. Uh, he pops up in Odessa this week for a photo op to visit these piled high grain silos mm-hmm. that aren't moving anywhere. Mm-hmm. He's surrounded by, you know, Yuki's protecting him and he's like, he's giving a lecture on how awful it is that these this grain I'm standing right next to here is blockaded by that country over there, Russia. When in fact, and in fact, Ukraine. the people standing around him are, are the ones, ones keeping it from leaving the port. Yeah, so just compare that article. I mean, we'll put it in the links. Uh, it's the International Maritime Organization. Like I said, just the facts. There's no, no agenda. And compare their their report on on the situation to what we just read from the Western media, which is exactly the opposite, really. Anyway, that's the state of the world. Um, The UN is not helping here. At this UN um, security meeting about this topic, um, Guterres, the Secretary General, he said he's working with, trying to get Russia to... um, He's pleading with them. Pleading with Russia. Begging Russia. to, To lift its... Think of the children to lift its, its own sanctions against... For the children. For the children. He's doing it for, for the, the children. children. Yeah. Uh, they're conflating two different things here. This isn't about getting Ukrainian grain out. The UN at the same time is making a big stink out of the fact that fertilizers are not leaving Belarus and Russia. Mm-hmm. Right. But they're not leaving Belarus and Russia because those companies were sanctioned. Mm-hmm. Initially, those sanctions, as we saw a couple of months ago, were imposed late last year. They've since been lifted. Mm-hmm. And so the, the U.S. is going, well, there's no sanctions on agricultural products coming from Russia. Why doesn't Russia trade in those? Because they themselves, the Russians and the Belarusians, are real. they've said, well, we're going to withhold the export of those things. Even though initially it was you who sanctioned us, then you realize your mistake and you lifted the sanctions, but actually we're going to maintain that status quo of sanctions with unfriendly countries because you have since launched a full-scale economic war against us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're allowed to use that as leverage since it's just... 100% it's, it's they are, but you know? it, it's, again, it's thrown in there as another thing Russia's doing to cause a global famine. Mm-hmm. 
No, well, shitheads, you started it. Yeah, yeah. Well, not, not well. Yeah, they started, but it goes back further than that, obviously, because if you go to uh, Market Realist, Scotty, um, it's just an example. You can find many other um, articles that say the same thing. This is from October 18th, 2021. Long before any talk about Ukraine or Russia or any sanctions or anything like that. Uh, talking about the shortage at a lot of places isn't an actual shortage but a supply this is in the US isn't it is a, is a supply constraint due to logistical issues especially in developed markets like the US and the UK uh, <coughs> and then go down to food shortage in the US while there isn't a widespread food shortage across the US there are pockets experiencing strain experiencing strain like bottled water and turkeys uh, blah 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 uh, most of the issues in the US are localised keep going down but then global food shortage. In contrast to the US, the food shortage around the world isn't just a factor of supply chain issues. According to a rapid phone survey done by the World Bank in 48 countries, a significant number of people are running out of food or reducing their consumption. Global food prices have had a 10-year peak, according to the Food and Agricultural Organization, driven by gains in cereals and vegetable oils. Despite record cereal consumption, a shortage is forecasted on higher consumption projections. Uh, of course, you find other articles that will... Um, uh, you know, talk, you know, you know, accurately talk about the fact that, uh, well, this is from October 2021. There were, was talk before that, we were talking about the supply chain issues and all that kind of stuff as a result of COVID. COVID lockdowns. Or another locked, or rather COVID measures, yeah. lockdowns. So it's people, like, I mean, <sighs> People, it's like goldfish memory. You know, if you've got a goldfish memory, then forget about it. Stop even bothering watching anything because all it does is like periodically scare you and you can't put any, you can't make any sense of it. You, all, you, all you do is just respond like they want you to do, which is be terrorized. You can't put it in context. It's not that it isn't concerning and you shouldn't be worried about it and stuff, but you need to have the context in order to see why it's happening and not believe the bullshit or the bullshit reason they give you for why this particular thing is happening because you can't remember six months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to correct myself. I said earlier that Belarus was the target of sanctions because of this war. No. Um, Belarus, for some reason, I guess it's to do with its soil and its unique climate or something, is supplies 90% of a key fertilizer for the whole world, mm-hmm. potash fertilizer. Mm-hmm. The company, this semi-state-owned company, was sanctioned by the United States last summer. Right. Because democracy, because the U.S. was claiming that uh, Lukashenko had rigged the elections and therefore he's got to go. And they had a, a whole, you know, color revolution type thing going on. He didn't fall. He stays in power. So they sanctioned him. Mm-hmm. And this was one way they were going to hurt Belarus. Right. Now they're trying to plead with Belarus to try and make up for the shortfall in fertilizers that's not coming from Russia because of its counter sanctions <clears throat> against unfriendly countries in the West. Well, if you look I, up what a freaking mess! Like, if you look up the detail, if you look up just do a search for for news items uh, reporting on sanctions and uh, fertilizers and fertilizer shortage and, and and sanctions and Russia, whatever combination of words, uh, you won't find anywhere anyone claiming that Russia or Belarus is depriving the world in the same way they're depriving the world of grain supposedly uh, from Ukraine. They're that that they're not selling the fertilizer. Um, all of the reports <clears throat> don't go there because there's no evidence for it, obviously. Um, because that would be a far better way for Putin to starve the world. 
you know, don't just, don't, I mean, that's small potatoes in Ukraine. It's only, you've only achieved 1% reduction if that's what you're doing, even though it's Ukraine who's doing it. But, and that's why they can do it because it's only 1%. It's not significant. It doesn't matter. Except the media tells you it matters, but it doesn't matter mm. because it's a tiny percentage of the world's supply of, of grain. Far better way to do it is cut off the fertilizer supply to the world. Then you can't even grow the crops. Forget about not shipping them out. You don't have any crops to ship. Yeah. <clears throat> but apparently that's not happening. So the only thing they can come up with is that, uh, well, Russia, Ukraine led to, quote-unquote, justified sanctions on Russian energy and natural gas and obviously and, and, and oil are uh, key ingredients or key components in the production of fertilizers. Yeah. So if countries don't have access to enough oil or gas, or if oil or gas, the, pr- the main thing is, <clears throat> it's not that they can't produce fertilizers, but the price has gone up. Because the price of oil and gas have gone up, the price of fertilizers go up, and, fer- and farmers then are feeling a pinch. They don't know if they can afford you know, to buy fertilizer at that price. They reduce their crop, uh, uh, their plantation, their planting, because they have only a certain amount of fertilizer because they can't afford it, right? Because, uh, you know, obviously food production around the world is a massively complex system, and it's small to medium to big uh, farmers who are all contributing to it, and they're in different economic uh, areas of the world and in different economic situations, each of them, you know? So... It's something that's just brewing, basically, you know what I mean? But that's the only thing you'll see in terms of the explanation for why um, there's a a fertilizer problem or a a shortage of fertilizer is that the price of oil and gas has exploded. And why did it explode? Because the West decided to try to crush uh, Russia economically by sanctioning their their, their oil and potentially gas exports with the result that the Russian currency is at... Um, you know, multi-year uh, lows or highs, however it's you want to describe it. It's 50, in the better fifty something now. It's, it's in this, yeah, below sixty, basically. Uh, which is, you know, I think it wasn't that 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 in in such good good shape. Let's say against the dollar, uh, against yeah. the dollar and the euro since like two thousand seventeen. Um, so it's all they're all doing it to their own people, Western, Western governments are doing this to their own people. They're the ones who are causing all of this. They don't care. They have some ideological bullshit that it's to sh- teach Putin a lesson. That's about the height of it. Uh, that's all they tell you. But that's what they're doing. They're creating these conditions for food shortages, energy shortages, and you're meant to suck it up and say, take that Putin, and at the same time, blame Putin at for doing it. At the same time, it. blame him. <clears throat> it's, it's crazy. Um, the Russian ambassador at the UN responding to Blinken um, uh, well, as the Wall Street Journal characterized it, he deflected any of the blame. And instead, he blamed food, su- food supply problems on the lockdown's effect on supply chains. Check. We just discussed that. Weather. That is an effect, actually. Mm-hmm. Trade wars. He's thinking of China, probably. This predates the sanctions, which are another factor. Speculation by Western investors. And even efforts in industrialized nations to wean their economies off fossil fuels. That's your own. Pro- is that is that too much for the average? Sri Lanka last week. Is that too much for the average person? Is it too? Is it a conspiracy theory? Or is it too much for the, to expect the average person to put together the fact that they've been bombarded with uh, greening of your economy? <clears throat> Stop using fo- fossil fuels are evil. Fossil fuels are killing people. They're warming the planet. They're destroying the planet. We got to stop. We got to go green. We got to go green. And so the whole point: destroy the fossil fuel industry and stop people using fossil fuels. And they weren't, <clears throat> they've been talking about that for a long time, obviously. They didn't make much headway, it seems. 
And now, suddenly they get to shut down, to a certain extent, uh, at least Western countries' access to fossil fuels by blaming Putin. And doing it themselves, basically. Using, using Putin to, to go ahead and just, let's just shut down the fossil fuels. Is that too much for people to see that as a segue? They just decided to go that route because obviously just, um, you know, um, berating people about, you know, that you're destroying the planet and getting to, trying to get them to go green and stuff wasn't working. So you know what? We're just going to go ahead and do it anyway. But we need a good reason. Mm. Putin's evil. Yeah, I think, I think <clears throat> that's why they were so delighted that Putin took the bait so to speak, in quotes, because obviously he was there's the, a the mind game going on where he saw what the trap was, but he, as far as they're concerned, they succeeded beyond their wildest dreams. He took the bait and invaded Ukraine because now they could suddenly go, oh, look at this, gas prices, oh my goodness, inflation, where did you come from? <laughs> oh, look at that, food shortages on the shelves, well, goodness me. They can now acknowledge the things that were building up like a dam behind. And before they were like, what? No, no, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Inflation, inflation is good for you, you know. But now it's like, yes, all these horrible it, things are happening. Is it, it's his fault. Yeah. Is it bait when you know it's bait? Are you taking the bait when you know that it's bait? But you basically have no choice. You've been put in a position. It's more like you've been put into a corner. Uh, and you're, in a way, you're forced to do something. But... Um, that you otherwise wouldn't want to do, but that's life, and these are the conditions. I'm going to go ahead and do this, but I'm doing it, doing it on my terms. Mm. You know, I, I saw your bait dangling from a long way off. I saw your bait coming, and I prepared the way I'm going to take it. Yeah, it's it's not really, but you, yeah, because taking the bait, bait sounds like fooled into something. He was that, fooled, you know no. what I mean? He wasn't fooled. They <clears throat> they announced their intentions ages ago. Remember in December, we were like amazed by those reports. Anonymous White House reports say if slash when Putin invades Ukraine, we've got a whole list of juicy sanctions lined up. That's what I mean. That's what I'm getting at here. The glee with which they were going to go into this. Or, or, because it was, about to, it was about to provide a structural explanation for everything that's gone <clears> wrong <throat> and everything they want to do with this crisis, you know? Yeah. Or Liz Truss, the foreign Do away secretary. with fossil fuels, for yeah. example. Or Liz Truss, the foreign secretary, the UK foreign secretary, was a Blinken, whoever we talked about last week saying that they had been preparing for this war. Kirby. Kirby said it, preparing for this war for eight years. Eight years, and he's just, just gleeful. You how see how can it face like come out of nowhere? Like, I mean, obviously, if they're preparing for this war for eight years, um, in, in a foreign country against Russia, decidedly a, a war against Russia using a third country, you've been preparing it for, for, for eight years while Russia watched you prepare for it. There's never been any mention that Russia was preparing, preparing to invade Ukraine. Uh, any serious mention that Russia was planning to take preemptive, aggressive moves towards Ukraine or to, toward, I mean, they tried to say they took Crimea and stuff, but you know, that's separate. That, that's a separate issue. That's a, that's a Kosovo issue, and you can't get away. I mean, they're, they're, they can't avoid that Kosovo uh, comparison. You know, uh, they recognized under Bush, they recognized in 2008, whatever it was, was 2008, they recognized Kosovo's independence because the people in Kosovo did not want, did no, no longer wanted to be a part of Serbia. And they said, okay, you can be an independent people because you don't like uh, that government and the country that you're a part of. You can break away and we'll recognize your independence. Same thing happens in Ukraine. Part of eastern Ukraine, the people say exactly the same thing. Russia and a few other countries say, okay, 
will recognise it because you are under... And, and the people in Cosford weren't necessarily under any kind of... It was more of a political, ideological thing. They weren't under the same kind of uh, attacks that <clears throat> that are that the, the people in, in Donbass were, you know? Right. Although officially... Uh, they would the say official they were. historical record is they were. That was the justification for bombing Belgrade. Right. Because Milosevic... It well, looks like he's about to, well, to quote Tony Blair, slaughter 10,000. That's back, back in the 90s, but I'm talking about when they actually declared independence. Right. There was, no, not, there was, no, there was immediate no immediate threat. threat. No, no. But in 2014, when the US backed, uh, staged a coup in Ukraine and installed a bunch of neo-Nazis, they immediately launched a war on Donbass. Yeah. And killed, between since then and now, killed 13,000, 14,000 people. Yeah, giving Putin his... Not that he needed, uh, not that he's that cynical, but giving him the evidence to just just cause for doing what he did. Mm-hmm. A, a R2P <clears throat> right to protect humanitarian intervention or preemptive war, as laid down in international law mm-hmm. by past cases. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. You set an example, you set a precedent. Um, a US, the U, US, here's a small example. The US. Um, the US gives a small comparison the US gives funding military training military equipment to Mexico to launch an operation to take or sorry Russia Russia gives uh, arms Mexico Gives them weapons and uses their own, their, own, their own military equipment as well to take Guantanamo Bay from America. Shouldn't that be Cuba? Well, whatever. Yeah. Mexico. Well, Guantanamo Bay. Or Cuba. Could be Cuba, yeah. Whatever. Any other third country. What does America do? They have a military base in, uh, in, in Guantanamo Bay. Russia's going to take it under the cover of Cuba taking it back or even, yeah, any other relatively close. Central American country. What does America do? America sees through it or sees it immediately as a threat and says no and goes and defend and, and either and, and secures it. Right. That's pretty much the situation with Crimea. You know, uh, Crimea was obviously predominantly Russian, Russian ethnically Russian, Russian-speaking people, and Russia had a, its major southern naval base there. The coup in 2014 was, you know, a big part of it was to take Crimea away from Russia. Mm. I think a better analogy would be Florida. Yeah. The wiener. Because Crimea was full of actual Russians. Russia's so getting Cuba to take America's if wiener. If Florida had declared secession uh, in the 90s from the United States, but part of the agreement, okay, you can have your independence, but we get to keep our naval bases in Pensacola and elsewhere and you know, launch rockets from Cape Canaveral, okay, fine. Then 20 years later, they renege and they say, actually, no, you're gone. In fact, we're going to allow Russians to launch rockets from Cape Canaveral and Russians to take over Pensacola Naval Base. Yeah. And then Washington goes, uh, no, no, hold our beer, watch this. Yeah. That's the analogy. Yeah. yeah because, I mean, it, I mean, shit, that's not even a good analogy because Crimea has been Russia since 1700s. Yeah. Florida has been the United States since 18... Something Does anyone know? So early 19th century, I think. So, anyway. 
Talk. We go. Talking about if you got anything else on. Do you remember um, Ukraine and NATO? Right up till the beginning of this in February, Ukraine was poised to join NATO. Was applying to join NATO. It was never a serious option, though. They were never going to be allowed because they've got certain. Uh, it's it's weird because I think in order to join NATO. It's kind of similar in a way to, even though it's a military alliance, it's it's similar to the EU in, in a certain way. Part of the requirements to become a NATO member is that you cannot have any um, kind of ethnic, potential ethnic conflict or eth- ethnic uh, tensions within your country. Anything that could be, would be, you know, could flare up basically. Uh, so Ukraine was never going to join NATO, at least not in the in the short or medium term. For the very reason um, that that they now deny is actually the, the case in Ukraine, i.e. there's a section, there's a big part of ethnic Russians in, in, in Ukraine who don't really feel Ukrainian, feel more Russian, speak Russian, have a lot of connections with Russian stuff. Uh, uh, because so because of that kind of tension and division within in Ukraine that was bubbling under the surface, and also because of the kind of t- the neo-fascist or neo-Nazi tendencies within the military and within political structures, it was never going to be. It, it didn't pass muster for a NATO NATO admission. But and that, the fact that they that that was the reason that Ukraine was never going to be part of, uh, part of NATO justifies everything in a certain sense that Russia has done or justifies, it, it, it underpins the, the, their argument essentially that there is this issue in Ukraine, there's, the, there's ethnic Russians and, uh, uh, and there, you know, there's tension between ongoing long-term, but below the surface, but it's there, you know, um, and, and it's flared up basically, it's been exploited, you know. <clears throat> but for official purposes in the media, People were being led to believe that Ukraine wanted to join NATO officially. They wanted to get, they can want all they want, yeah. The US wanted Ukraine to join NATO. Russia did not want it. Mm-hmm. Therefore, Russia preemptively invaded Ukraine to stop Ukraine from joining NATO. Not really, no. That's not. No. That's not the official kind of reason. Western narrative, you mean? Yeah. Um, it, when, they, when they give something, basically. When they when they give some justification, some you know, not completely black and white anti-Russian propaganda, they'll say, "Okay, we admit that you're saying they admit that NATO uh, that Ukraine might have joined NATO, and that was a justification for Russia to do what it did." Don't think so. That's not the reason, obviously. Anyway, The Atlantic, the top magazine for Washington foreign policy people, uh, one of them, Neocons. Um, April, the war started, uh, op-ed, let Ukraine in. Um, that's just one example. Uh, another one from a European magazine, why Ukraine has won the right to join NATO, also from April. April what, 2021? 2022. Mm. Well, yeah, that's after it all started. Of course, when it started in early March, in nod to Russia, Ukraine says no longer insisting on NATO mm. membership. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, it was all that insisting, but it was never going to be, never going to happen. And they've admitted that. They admit that now. You know, we're well, not that, going to join all that kind of stuff, and they're also not going to join the EU. So all these aspirations, Euromaidan, the 2014 coup, and all that kind of stuff, uh, it was never going to happen. You know what I mean? But for for, for structural, economic, uh, 
demographic, uh, ideological, political, social issues, it, it was a very long way off. And yeah. not least of which, uh, well, added into the mix was the fact that it's right on Russia's border, the geopolitical aspect of it too. But m- removing the geopolitical aspect of it, removing Russia's interest in keeping Ukraine a neutral country, which is fair enough, uh, beyond that, Ukraine was not in a position to join NATO or... Because we just talked, you just mentioned uh, John Kirby. It doesn't matter that they're not a part of NATO. They've been training their military and equipping their military for eight years to fight against Russia. That's more or less what NATO is for, right? Yeah. So it um, doesn't matter. Do not officially a member, but who cares? Yeah. Do, do, do you want to watch that video of McFall recently? McFall, I hate him, yeah. I don't really hate him, but... Um, he, he, I, I've he, sent it to you, Scott. Can you play that? This is this is the former U.S. ambassador for Russia. Um, he summarizes Michael McFall for me the arrogance and. So before we play it, um, he's it. This is from Toronto last week. The Monk debate. Uh, he's in a debate um, on the same side as the ex Prime Minister of Poland, Sikorsky. Opposite him is this guy Stephen Wald and John Mearsheimer. Mm-hmm. And watch it. He's going to. This is McFall schooling. These two international relations experts, so-called, on how the world world actually works. In 2021, we kept reiterating that Ukraine was going to join. We kept saying that over and over again. So my, so my, so my, so my, so so our our diplomats are lying. Yes. Uh, So, (laughs) yes, that's the real world, guys. Come on, come on. But but you can. That's the real world. Wait a sec. Our diplomats are lying all the time. Yet the Russians should trust them when they offer assurances. No, 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 no. And and we shouldn't. Uh, Please, no. But here's my here's my question: If Ukraine membership in NATO is really realistically off the table, just not going to happen. Nothing for Russia to worry about. Why shouldn't NATO take it back? Say, we've rethought the matter. We no longer want to consider Ukraine for NATO membership. If it's never going to happen, why not do a very simple thing that might help unwind this? Because that would be an invitation for, for Russia to invade. And as you know, I've Russia, already happened. the United States... Exactly. Exactly. I'd love to know what a comeback to that would have been. They did invade. Of course, they were already at that point. Yeah, at that, yeah. But McFall there is slimy. His, his, he's on Twitter. Like, I mean, I, I harass him now and again on Twitter. Like, just because, just you know, he deserves it because he's so full of shit. It's amazing. Like, he's such a pusillanimous, arrogant little prick, you know, um, and always has been. Yeah. He goes back a long way, you know. Um, that laugh said it all. Remind me of Pompeo. We lied, we cheated, we stole. <laughs> yeah, it's all funny, you know, to them. But what he was saying there was that, of course, we lied. And the whole point, what he didn't say, but the implication, the obvious implication, was that they were lying uh, in terms of talking up, like mm. that Mearsheimer or Walt, whatever. That was Walt, two, yeah. Walt saying, um, you know, we said repeatedly, we were talking it up, NATO, uh, yeah. Ukraine's going to join NATO, Ukraine's going to join NATO, was in order to Bait. Jerk, jerk the Russians. Or jerk. Jerk Russian, Russia's chain and, and, and build it up. Cause so, like, again, planning it for eight years, uh, training, arming, funding the Ukrainian military for eight years for this very situation. And then in the year prior to when they know they're ready uh, to 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 do what they plan to do, which was invade Donbass with the U.S. trained military uh, in March this year. 
in advance of that, so last year in 2021, they're talking up the news. They, they hyped up. Hype it up. All they last gonna year. Join, they gonna, but they, knowing they that openly, it would never actually they happen. openly provoked, openly flagrantly provoked Russia. And not only in words, but they're doing it in many different ways. And of course, this is in the context of them having done this to Russia and being anti-Russian and aggressive towards Russia and unfair towards Russia for the past, well, at least 10 years. Yeah. Probably longer, but very overtly for the last 10 years being very, very anti-Russian. Um so they've been they've been goading, provoking, and putting things in place that make it clear that they're that this isn't just talk, but talk is part of it as well. You know they want everybody talking about NATO, uh, uh, Ukraine joining NATO. But again, like as Walter said, there it doesn't matter. Uh, um, they 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 Russia already invaded. What are you talking about? Like the, the Polish prime, former Polish prime minister was saying, you know, no. If we say that, okay, NATO membership for Ukraine is off the table. It will that, be an invitation. That invitation for Russia to, to, to invade. They already invited them to invade a long time ago. We're making it clear that they were going to use Ukraine to attack Russia. Yeah, that's the unspoken part in that debate. Yeah, it's not, no, it's wor- the situation Ukraine is in is worse than NATO membership per se. Mm-hmm. It's used, it's a NATO like, it's an extra legal, extra territorial. It's outside NATO and it's Fully controlled by NATO, unlike, say, Turkey, which now has a substantially independent streak, especially after the 2016 attempt to coup against Erdogan, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So he, Erdogan says all the right things. He's still in NATO. He's still in their club. But as we saw last week, Erdogan. when Finland and Sweden tried to join, he goes, no, yep. you can't. Well, yeah, because, you know. We go- can he affect a veto? You can, yeah. Any anyone member can affect the veto, but oh, I don't know how far. You know, they could just rejigger the rules or something. And, you know, and say, yeah, it doesn't matter what you say. But again, it doesn't matter whether Ukraine is officially a part of NATO or not. the The country is awash in in U.S. military uh, personnel, trainers, and massive amounts of U.S. U.S. Uh, military equipment. What 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 isn't NATO about that? Mm. You know, there, there's American advisors have their Hands up Zelensky's bum, making him talk. What what isn't NATO about that? You know what I mean. That's what NATO does. NATO is the puppet master in that sense. You know, for for any, uh, other member countries. Mm. And and Zelensky actually, I was reading something there recently that Zelensky, uh, an official, you know, decree or whatever, uh, put to the how's it pronounced for Kov- for Kovnarada, the Parliament basically, yeah. the Ukrainian Parliament, uh, a bill or something to. Uh, formalize the status of Polish citizens, legal, mm. the, the legal rights of Polish citizens in Ukraine. With the suggestion being no, su- no suggestion. No, but what, does it, but what does it? What does it suggest? Uh, the the harmonization of Polish and Ukrainian, West Ukrainian. Government? Maybe, but I was thinking more likely that it's about establishing legalities for Polish soldiers. Mm. And occupying, living and occupying permanently in Western Ukraine. Or being there for some particular reason, which presages a, an expansion of which conflict. Which you've been talking about for a while. Um, I thought it was interesting that Macron brought up the possibility of this this week. Um Although he was talking about, the, he's he said he's afraid that war will spread from Ukraine, specifically via Transnistria. Yeah. 
Uh, also in The Guardian this week, Ukraine forces prepare for possible attack on Belarusian border. In an article which they're talking about their fears of it spreading. But both countries are probably off. Poland is probably the place to watch. Well, isn't... Um, trans, uh, Transnistria is right there on the... Uh, Oh no, it's on the Romanian border, that's right, yeah. Yeah, I uh, don't know. We'll have to wait and see. It's unknown. It's one of those things you have to wait and see where, where it'll go. But I mean... Do you notice how many people are calling for ceasefires this week? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's all we have to say about how the war in Ukraine is going. Yeah. First of all, U.S. Uh, Defense Secretary Austin initiates a call with Shoigu requesting a ceasefire. Three days later, General Milley talks to Gerasimov, who's supposed to be dead three times over at this mm. point, uh, he talks to a dead dude, asking him for a ceasefire. Mm-hmm. Um, and yesterday, is it yesterday? Yeah, Zelensky told Ukrainian media that diplomacy is the only way this is going to be resolved at this point. Again, you know why? Zelensky puppet, you know, but yeah. still, interesting signals. Like, But it's not going to be resolved through diplomacy. He, he would like it to be resolved through diplomacy. That's his, his weasel words again, his diplomatic or his political speak, uh, and, and the rest of them. Uh, talking about diplomacy, it can only be. I've seen that, and not just him, but other people saying it can only be resolved through diplomacy. No, Russia's like, look, I'm, we're committed. We've already committed to this. We've committed a lot, and we've, you know, we've made a lot of sacrifices. We're getting what we intended to get out of this, uh, whether you like it or not. And, and if there's going to be diplomacy, it'll be on our terms, whether you like it or not. And that's where it's going. And the reason they're talking about that is because in the, the conflict at the moment in, in Donbass is going pretty well. Uh, compared to up until now, let's say, um, in terms of the the advance and, and, and the movement of, of, of Russian forces and in, in taking right up to the you know the major towns, Severodonetsk, Donetsk, and, and a few other towns. This is chance Slavyansk taking the, the, the to the original borders of, of uh, the official borders of, of the Donbass of Donetsk and Luhansk. Uh, that was that's a major part of their goal, you know. Yeah. Like pretty much Mariupol was the first one. Second one is securing those borders. And then after that, maybe, yeah, over, they may continue on and uh, over uh, Odessa. The, the idea is the full, the full Black Sea coast, basically, right yeah. over to the border of Transnistria. Basically and that map of majority ethnic Russians, yes. which is the yes. whole of the yes. east that's and the always, whole of the south. Yeah, that's always been the plan from the very beginning. Do you beginning. think so? Yeah. The uh, whole thing. Yeah, Zaporizhia yeah. in the center, up, yeah. to, up to the Dnieper River. Possibly, yeah. Possibly. No, Novorossiya, in other words. Yeah. So-called. And, uh, That'd be glorious. I wanted that in 2014, but yeah. and I thought when it didn't happen, I thought, well, the, 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 right that's now, it now, right now, there's a situation where there's something in uh, on the order of 25,000 Ukrainian troops, in in the relative near future, are going to be taken prisoner. 25,000. Well, they're surrendering on mass, especially after Azovstal. Yeah, that kind of yeah, that propaganda coup kind of failed and it hit morale a little bit. But the question that it brings up is. What were 25,000 troops doing? And there were more before that, before now. Some, some have left and been redeployed elsewhere. But at, at least 25,000 troops could be taken prisoner. And that's not counting the number that's been killed, which is probably somewhere in the order of 30,000. Mm. Uh, but 20, what were 25,000 troops, a part of a, much, a significantly larger force that was there originally, what were they doing on the borders of Donbass? Because they're there since this conflict began. 
Well, I know how that would be, be explained away. It'll be explained away because what they're holding back a Russian. No, but they were there slash, from the beginning. Yeah. Before Russia announced any intentions or became clear that Russia had any intentions, they were there. They have been there since last year, which the point is they were planning An invasion to force. invade yeah. Donbass and then from there, you know, kill as many people as necessary and then um, and maybe t- try and take Crimea and bring the war to Russia, basically, possibly across Russian borders. So, uh, but have you anything else? Because I want to go back to monkeypox. Um, no. As no, a final no. thing. That's all I have to say about the war in NATO Stan. In Ukraine, Nam. <clears throat> yeah, let's go to video. Oh, Biden invited invaded Somalia. But Biden, Biden invi- invaded, invaded Somalia. Somalia he did, week. yeah, yeah. <laughs> to crickets. Yeah. Uh, monkeypox. Well, hear it from the monkey himself. Let's watch this video. This is actually there's a couple of Russian uh, pranksters. Um, they've been Bovan known, and Lexus. Yeah, they've been known to kind of like call up politicians in the West and stuff and. and pose as the leaders of, you know, Russia or different countries, a lot of Eastern European countries. Here they're posing as basic... I'm not sure if it's Zelensky. It could actually be Zelensky because the guy they're talking to is that dumb. Uh, anyway, uh, it relates to monkeypox, as you can see. There's hey. there's patient zero right there. Primate in uh, chief. That's where the monkeypox came from. A sample of his serum was didn't have to be modified, actually, at all. Funnily enough. I believe it is pure. It was pure monkey. Anyway, uh, so here, here he is. Here's, he's our president. You know, I mean, in fact, now it's a war not only of Ukraine. It's a war of West world against Russians. Yeah. Of course, Russia was offended that uh, NATO began to expand. That's a problem for them. That's why they started. You know, I'm talking about determination of DPR and LPR at uh, regions of uh, occupied regions by Russia on east side. So he, uh, Putin really? tries to show that there's the same uh, example like with Kosovo. You remember then uh, yeah. in 2007 you recognized Kosovo as an independent right. country and he used the same bit. methodic. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think if you prevail, or when you prevail, uh, a lot of these other issues go off the table. Mm-hmm. Wow, wise words. Uh, <laughs> your mission is to destroy as many Russian troops as you can, and the question is, will you continue to receive the help you need? And I certainly hope so. And it's very important for the United States to continue in the lead of providing you the, 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 the support you need. You've got good, it seems to me, you've got good communications with the administration. Mm-hmm. You know, your Secretary of Defense and people like that are continually informing our military mm-hmm. of what's needed. And our military is very supportive of what you're doing, President. Mm-hmm. Oh, you support us with javelins and many other missiles. So it's great. But last time uh, the U.S. has sent us Angelina Jolie. <laughs> it's a kind of joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Bush thought he was talking to Zelensky. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, but we're on Bush, so let, let's play it. I know this has gone around the world 20 times, but he also gave... Was that from this week? He also gave us this week um, the greatest Bushism yet. The all-time best W expression 
when he's a gift that keeps on giving. Do you have it, Scott? Oh, what am I looking for? I just sent it to you. It's a tweet of W. Oh, yeah, you sent it to me. No, hang on. I sent it to myself. There you go. <laughs> it wasn't me or Scotty. It was there me. There he is. Maybe W is having an effect on my hair. Okay. Yeah, here we go. I think everyone's seen it, but let's watch it again. 26 million views. Awesome. In contrast, Russian elections are rigged. Political opponents are imprisoned or otherwise eliminated from participating in the electoral process. The result is an absence of checks and balances in Russia and the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. I mean, of Ukraine. <laughs> Iraq, too. Anyway. Uh, Iraq, too. 75. Uh, Booyah. God bless you, George. <clears throat> Look at him. He's speaking at his own event, the how George does, W. Bush does, Institute. How the F does he have a George, an institute named <laughs> after him? It's like, <laughs> how is that possible? Uh, money and connections. And is the flag supposed to be in the shape? Is that, it's wavy. Is that supposed to be like a book or it's something? It's a book. He's reading a book. I don't think he ever read a book in his life. He's got and a library named after him. The poor man's stuck back in, in Iraq. Like, he's still on that aircraft carrier with the cod piece and, you know, a mission accomplished. Like, I mean, that was the defining moment of his life. And his head just goes, o- he just goes over that in his head all the time, you know. Uh, and he just, so when, he, when he's talking about one man invading a country, he just can't help but say Iraq, like, because it was me. That was Except, my greatest moment. Yeah, it, I mean, I pretended it was me, like, you know. His greatest the, moment, the one yeah. thing I like about Bush is he, he, he has not, except when he's probably forced to, or the money's just too good to refuse, he generally has stayed out of it. He occasionally makes a speech, you know, he bashes Trump, um, defends Hillary, bashes Putin here again. But he's generally just, like, stayed out of the fray and prefers to just paint pictures. Because that's all he can do. And stay on his ranch. He doesn't know anything else. I know, but then they pull him up now and again. Yeah. It's like, you just got to read these lines, George. Just just yeah. say the lines. But he can't. Yeah. <laughs> he gets even that wrong. Yeah. Well, I forgot to throw it up earlier on, but just throw up The Economist, JPEG, or it's uh, Econ, yeah. Um, this is, uh, The Economist is, uh, they put a lot of effort into their covers. You may n- notice, like, over the years. Uh, right. And they're very, like... Like their Spiegel. Yeah, it's something kind of like, something... Uniquely economisty about it, uh, where they're like almost yeah, like dystopian in a certain sense. Well, and they the, love the, o- the, the oldest continuous you know, uh, so British notice, propaganda, yeah. so they're good at it. And you notice the wheat, like the You notice the wheat there. It's kind of like yeah, it, it, the skulls. It's very clever. <laughs> uniquely British. Yeah, it's um, almost like they have the finger on the pulse a bit more than others, you know, or something like that. <clears> well, they they set the tempo so to speak, or they have the finger on the pulse of what the agenda is. What the elites are, yeah. Yeah, what's coming down from high, high finance capital, you know. Mm. Um, speaking of finance capital, Elon Musk taking on the system. Mm. I know you covered it a bit when he first announced mm. his takeover. Takeover is not complete yet. He's, he's, in, he's doubling down. He's becoming increasingly political. Um, to the point where he's obviously getting some kind of signals and he's tweeting that, you know, if I don't make it past the end of this year, it's been nice knowing you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also, 
letting on that uh, half of Biden's followers on Twitter are bots because he's been doing an audit of Twitter and he wants the price to, you know, to be dropped that he's going to pay for because he's thinking based on his research that as much as 20% of people are fake. They're just bots. Yeah. Well, you know what happens it's when... It's at least that. You know what happens when uh, when someone like him becomes... So I'll throw that up, Scotty, as a, a final comment. You know what happens when someone like him becomes a, a political in the wrong direction, right? Well, they get uh, sexual harassment lawsuits. Bingo! SpaceX flight attendant said Elon Musk exposed himself and prop- propositioned her for sex. Document show. Yeah, he's he's he's, uh, he's got something in mind. Taking over Twitter, like I liken it to Trump's takeover would of the Republican take, Party. Would you take a quarter of a million for having to look at Elon Musk's wiener? <laughs> would you, Scotty? Uh, no. Not from a distance, like if you say that you have to go into this room and Elon Musk is going to drop his pants and say, "Hey, you want to get it on?" and you just go, "Nah," and then walk out and they give you a quarter of a million, I'd do it, like. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't seem like a bad, uh, you know, a bad payoff. Like no, that. yeah, it'd be worth it. <clears throat> anyway, I don't know if you did it or not, but uh, it's interesting that that kind of stuff. Me too comes out whenever. Uh, it's probably not true though, because the same thing was said about Trump with that um, porn actress, mm. and that he won. He won the case or was thrown out, and that was all tied up with his lawyer, who was totally corrupt. Yeah. Um, and then she ended up suing the lawyer who was defending her. It was unclear who made up the bullshit. Anyway, it was just it was pure bullshit from top to bottom. But that brings up Hillary Clinton because Russiagate's kind of under the spotlight back in the U.S. media this week because of this trial against the lawyer mm-hmm. who was a campaign lawyer for Hillary Clinton in 2016, Sussman. Um, it's connected because... Elon Musk is wading into it by tweeting out, uh, you know, that he's just, he, uh, he's being cute, I think. Let's look at his tweet. Um, Elon Musk, you can shout out to him, apparently, and if it's, you know, if it's enough of a bombshell, he'll respond to you. Mm. So he responded to this tweet. So someone goes, hey, Elon Musk, I've reported this tweet as misleading disinformation. Um you know, just giving a heads up. Scroll up first, so we'll see what the tweet is. It's Hillary Clinton. It's still there. November 1st, 2016, in which she lays out her claim. About Trump's secret line of communication to Putin, which is, yeah, disinformation. Proven disinformation and lies uh, propagated, you know, create, uh, manufactured by her, effectively, and her, 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 her friends. Her- and well, her campaign, who her then campaign. took it to the FBI, which so has been exposed so this week six in, year, in the it's trial. It's five and a half years old. Six, six, six years, six, five and a half years old. And it's still there. Yeah. And so what now, did he say? Now scroll down to Musk's response last week to it. You're absolutely, You're absolutely correct. That tweet is a Clinton campaign hoax, and he draws attention to a current article about this. Uh, For which the campaign lawyer is undergoing a criminal trial. Clinton lawyer lied to manipulate FBI over Trump. But nobody cares about that anymore. We cared about it at the time, and others did, and said this is all bullshit. Uh, a lot of people you know, believe the bullshit. And uh, so we have a good track record of calling it bullshit as it happens. And you know what? It's not very hard once 
you know the form of the people that are propagating certain information. You know that they're basically inveterate liars and openly admit that they're inveterate liars. Like McFall just said, you know, that's the real world. That's how it works. Diplomats lie. Uh, Pompeo said in the CIA, the thing we focused on was, um, what did he say? What was that quote? We lied, we cheated, we stole. We lied, we cheated, we stole at, at West Point Academy. That's what we trained the, the, yeah. the, the recruits in doing, lie, cheating, and stealing. So, yeah, there's some resistance in a lot of people to believing it even from the horse's mouth, apparently. But it's interesting, yeah, so when Musk takes on Clinton and, and people like that and, and the people she represents, he quickly gets something dug up from his past. And uh, that was there, obviously, but while he was a good boy, nobody knows about it. When they know everything about you. It's a matter of how they'll dispense it depending on your behavior. Right. Um, now, Musk must have some kind of sense for that. Going into this, I hope so. Trump probably did too, and as it turns out, Trump was really clean as mm. far as they go. There were mafia ties, sure, in New York in his property deals, hundred percent. But it's like he actually boasted about it during his RNC stump speeches when yeah. he was still a candidate. He's like, everybody on this panel, they all gave me money. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's how it works. It's like, together, yeah. yeah, the wallpaper. It's it's part of the structure of everything around us. Of course, there's corruption. That's how you you got to do anything in this country. Right. So they can then dispense that out when you're. So mm-hmm. how far will he go with it? Well, I think he's I think he's stuck his paw in a in a hornet's nest by mentioning uh, Hillary. Well, he he mentioned also that uh, he's putting together. He tweeted that he's putting together. Uh, SpaceX, I think, or no, Tesla is putting together a hardcore team of crack lawyers that will be taking, you know, taking cases, uh, actively taking cases against people. So he's like, you know, given kind of warning or fair notice that uh, he's going to, he knows, what it, like what you're saying in a certain sense, that he knows what he's getting into and uh, he's not going to sit back and take it, basically. So we'll see. I don't think he's any kind of a savior or whatever like that, but no. it's good to have people like that come along who at least have a, show a bit of, in positions like that, who have a bit of, a, a little bit of decency, basically. And clout and reach. And it, it stands out all the more. It might not be very much, but it stands out all the more in comparison to the rest who are in the negative as far as decency and morality goes, you know. Yeah, especially the politicians. Well... After all that, one final comment on Putin and global crises and Russia losing and all that nonsense. Um, Time magazine goes and writes this, published this week. It's actually a short article. It's worth going through for, for a few seconds. Headline, Putin may be winning the information war outside of the U.S. and Europe. Yeah, scroll down. Is Vladimir Putin losing the information war with Ukraine? Well, it depends on who you ask. It's never easy to measure such things, but here are a few numbers. 141 countries in the UN voted to condemn Russia's aggression. The number of African, Middle Eastern and South American countries who have imposed sanctions on Russia is zero. But they're not part of the international community, so they don't matter. Uh, So basically what the article is saying is that... um, they're in an echo chamber in the West where they're believing all their own bullshit while uh, Russia isn't really concerned about it and Russia has the ears of, you know, the rest of the world, the majority of the rest of the majority of the world. And uh, Russia's kind of straight up plain talking is 
finding is, is gaining some traction with those countries, yeah. but not in the West, which is, you know, has been weaned on a diet of, or reared on a diet of bullshit. And well, it, it goes so. on to acknowledge that we're in an echo chamber, yeah. and it's a very small one. Yeah. It's, it's amazing that they, they have the insight to realize that mm-hmm. periodically, but otherwise they carry on as if it's the world, you yeah. know? You, if you go back to it for a second, they, they write part of the reason for this discrepancy in how the world sees Russia is that, quote, two-thirds of the world doesn't see what we see. Mm-hmm. That's due to the balkanization of the internet, which Russia is in part responsible for. <laughs> Today there are three internets. There's the American and Western internet, which we think of as the internet, there's the unfree internet in places like Russia, Turkey, and India, where content is restricted and policed. Oh, Jesus, I, I never knew that content was restricted and policed on the internet anywhere. And then there's the Chinese internet, which is censored and not free at all. That must be like a degree worse. The Chinese internet, used by one out of five of the world's users, is pro-Russian. In the unfree internet of Turkey and India and the rest, they get much of their information about the war from Russian state media. They're not seeing Zelensky's nightly invocations to democracy, an interesting turn of phrase. They're seeing images of noble Russian soldiers. Two of the most popular hashtags on the Indian internet are, quote, hashtag, I stand with Putin and I stand with Russia. Again, they're not part of the international community, Neil, so they don't matter. It fa- doesn't matter and China doesn't matter. Okay? Th- that paragraph fascinated me because it <coughs> reminds me of um, it reminds me of uh, the 19th century academic categorization of the world um, in in, we- in mm-hmm. American and British academia. They they really did see the world in three categories. They were the civilized world, the barbaric world. And then the savage world, mm-hmm. and it was a, it was a, it was a sliding <clears throat> scale, you know. So barbaric was like Eastern Europe, North Africa, at, uh, East Asia, China, India, but savage was you know the complete heathens beyond that, mm-hmm. Africa, maybe Latin America, of course. And but but that became politically incorrect. And after World War One, they, they just changed. The definition, and it became the first world, the second world, the third world, mm-hmm. and then now it's more simply the developed or developing. Right, but that's still but the how they see it. They, they still see a sliding scale. Yeah, the colonial racist attitude hasn't changed, and it's endemic. It's in an the egotistical West. Um, worldview it's, in Western politics. I yeah, say. and there's the golden billion, yeah. and then there's a kind of a bunch of people around that who want to get in kind of thing, who are not bad at seeing it as we see it, but they're still somewhat unfree. It's the unfree internet. Yeah. And then there's just beyond the pale where it's all completely policed and restricted bef- and censored. But know? before that, you have the free internet, which is in America. And, right. that's, and that's been written in, in the context of uh, the Biden administration creating a, a, a disinformation disinformation czar. Who you know, basically the federal government in the U.S., policing information on the internet. Which is only formalizing what they've been doing <clears throat> behind the scenes right. for the last six bleeding years, right. censoring, throttling everyone. Yeah. It's... Um, yeah, it's all bullshit, really, isn't it? 
and you've got to weed through the bullshit to find the, the nuggets of truth, which is what we do, uh, or try to do here anyway, uh, so you don't have to do as much of it at least. Um, yeah, so I think we'll leave it there for this week, folks. Uh, well, I, I think maybe we should probably, I mean, the sh- title of the show kind of starts monkey pox? with mon- monkeypox, so I yeah. think maybe we should, because this is obviously something everyone's very concerned about. Absolutely. So uh, I took the liberty of... Uh, reading mainstream, non-mainstream sources, and uh, I found this uh, infographic, which I think summarizes our general position on yes. the whole monkeypox And the thing. truth about the monkeypox, I think. Yeah. That's absolutely it. I can see. You want to pitch that maybe to... Uh, that's terrifying. Okay, lads, I'm out of here. I'm going it. to lockdown. Y- y'all can do what you want. <laughs> you want Don't come it. near me, okay? I'm getting my mask. Yeah. Pitch that to... Uh, uh, to Fauci. Fauci love that. Um, yeah. Definitely put him back up there again. I, didn't, I don't think I got afraid enough. Yeah, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Okay, I understand. I understand. It's I understand. the eyes. Look at the terror, the yeah. whites of terror in the eyes. I understand. And the bloodshot. He's been up like for three weeks. That's like lockdown. the toy, you know, like the toy monkey yeah. that like, has the symbols yeah, and everything. Yeah. And, uh. and it, uh, I was wondering <laughs> if like Fauci might like buy a bunch and like it ship actually, them to every American or something. Yeah, yeah. It actually just looks, as a reminder. It looks a bit like Fauci, actually. It does. Uh, a cross between Fauci, Bill Gates, and George Bush. Uh, oh my God, can you imagine? Anyway, yeah, so. Um, yeah, we're going to leave it there for this week, folks. Thanks for um, watching, for commenting, for whatever you were doing. Thanks for doing it. Uh, don't forget to um, smash all the buttons. And we'll be back next week with another show, truthifying whatever needs to be truthified. So until then, have a good day, evening, morning, whatever it is with you. See you later. Till next week. Bye. Can't stop the signal now.